Welcome to Light for the Journey, a podcast of Russell Memorial Methodist Church. In today's message, Pastor David Cartwright begins a three-week series called Waking from Nominal Christianity. The series is based on three sets of questions posed by the well-known author and Christian apologist Timothy Keller. Pastor Keller offers the questions as a means of reflecting on the vibrancy of one's relationship with God. The questions posed in today's message are offered to determine our level of awareness of God's presence in our daily life. As we open the Word of God today, let us open our hearts to the message God has for us. Um, I need to spend uh, a minute, well I don't know if I need to, but I'm going to, uh, spend a minute to preface this a little bit so that you know uh, how I arrived at where I am right now for this message. Um, Back in December, Renee and I were traveling, and as I was driving, she was reading, um, and she came across an article that she mentioned to me, and and she mentioned to me, it's kind of like, oh, wow, and I said, what? So this is an article about uh, something from Timothy Keller, and the article was called, entitled, um, Three Questions That Fake Christians can't answer. Uh, ooh, that's pretty straightforward. Um, now, the article itself was written by another author. It wasn't written by Timothy Keller, but it was referencing uh, a message that Timothy Keller had preached. And if you're not familiar with Timothy Keller, he is uh, one of the very uh, foremost of our modern uh, Christian apologists, very, uh, very gentle, very insightful in his approach, uh, the founding pastor of uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, uh, very popular speaker and author. Uh, the article did include, if, and if you, you can look it up on the internet, it did include about a 90-second clip of a message that Timothy Keller had uh, preached Just by way of disclaimer, I don't know if Timothy Keller himself ever used the phrase fake Christians. So I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not suggesting that he did. And please be sure that I'm not using that term. Because it is not my place at all to suggest whether or not anyone is a fake or real Christian. I I have no interest in in doing that. Um, But the questions that he offered were, I thought, very insightful, good reflection questions that he offered for, for people to just do some self-examination about how vibrant one's relationship with God really is. And I was so impressed with the questions that I want to do three weeks of reflecting on those questions, starting today and then for the next, next two weeks. They're really not just three questions, they're three sets of questions. And I'm going to do you the favor of actually printing them in the bulletin. So the, today's questions are there. You can take them home with you. And they're, they're questions that only you can answer honestly for yourself. I can't answer them for you. Your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your brother, sister, parent, child. No one else can answer them for you. Only you can. They are subjective in that way. So when you answer them, 
only answer honestly. Because if you're fooling anybody, it will only be yourself. Do you see them? <clears throat> How real has God been to your heart? How clear is your assurance and certainty of God's forgiveness and fatherly love? Are you having any particular seasons of sweet delight in God? Do you really sense God's presence? In what ways? Now again, these aren't my questions. These come word for word from Timothy Keller. I'm stealing them. But I think they're good questions. How aware are we of God's presence? You know, awareness, the level of awareness between two parties in a relationship speaks to the vibrancy of that relationship. Picture, if you would, um, two people who are in relationship together, a man and a woman, a husband and wife, okay? Let's say they've had dinner together. They've been out for the evening. And the next morning you ask one of them, well, how was your evening last night? And the response is, oh, it was okay, I guess. You know? I mean, not much to say. Or, imagine you ask the same question and you get a response that's like, oh man, it was awesome. I mean, we, we, we talked and we talked about this and we talked about that and we just, we just enjoyed being together so much. It paints two very different pictures, doesn't it? One... One picture is, gives you a, a sense of a much more intimate, vibrant relationship than the other, doesn't it? I don't need to describe which to switch, right? You, you get the difference. Well, which one of those would be more like how you d would describe your sense of awareness of God being present with you on a day-to-day -day basis? And that's really what it's getting at. Today, tomorrow, the next day, how, how would you be able to describe in tangible ways that you know God is there with you? <clears throat> the Psalms that typically speak very much from the heart Give us great pictures. Psalm 46, walk with me through this just, just uh, very, very quickly. Psalm 46 begins and ends with a statement. It's a statement of faith. It's not a question, it's not a supposition, it's a declaration. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. I love the wording of that in my scripture. Not just present, a very present help in times of trouble. It ends with this declaration, the Lord of hosts is with us. Do you think the author is uncertain about this? Not in the least. God is there. 
We know God is there. I have no doubt God is there. Especially when we are up against something of, of difficulty. God is there. And because of that, we can be confident. The, the, the writer goes on and describes, you know, the, although the mountains slip into the sea, the waters roar and foam, the mountains quake, and the swelling pride gives you this uh, beautiful picture of, of times of trouble. And in the midst of all of that, the author says, God is with me. It reminds me of the uh, 23rd Psalm. You all could probably quote that one, right? I enjoy that line. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Isn't that great? Can, can you picture the, the, you know, enemies coming at you at all, from all different directions, and the psalmist says, hold on, everybody. I have a banquet to enjoy. And the enemies are going, What? You should be trembling in fear because we're breathing down your neck. And the psalmist says, nope, because God spreads his goodness and presence right before me. He is present. The 46th Psalm, my pages keep turning. Y'all bear with me. In verse 4, it goes on and gives us another picture. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. This is an image that you find again if you go over to the very back of the book of Revelation. Because when you read the descriptions of New Jerusalem, what you get is this very powerful picture that in the midst of all the gathered people, God is present. God is in the midst of her. God's dwelling place is among people. And because God is there, their hearts are what? Fill in something. Come on, folks. Joyful, glad, blessed, right? Because God is there. Let me read it again. There is a river. This is God's presence, the river. There is a river whose streams make what? Glad the city of God where God's people dwell. His presence lifts their hearts. See, the psalmist is just full of these He's so certain that God is there. His heart rejoices. Okay? Verse 8, an invitation. Come and behold the works of the Lord. What if we took that invitation on a daily basis? In the midst of your school day. And you're all stressed out. You're thinking about the things, the situations that you just can't change. And depression is creeping in. All the troubles we face. What if we just accepted the invitation of the psalmist who says, Come and behold the works of the Lord. And you had the opportunity to draw back, see things from a greater perspective, reel back through all the years of your life and recall all the great things God has done. You see, this was, this was part of Israel's history to remember, 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 remember. Keep looking back and be reminded of what 
God has done. And if we could keep those things in the forefront of our minds, it would completely change our perspective on things. How powerful God has worked. And then in verse 10, this, this verse that you've heard probably so many times, translations differ a little bit on it. Some translations will say, be still. And know that I am God. My translation says, cease striving and know that I am God. In other words, stop. Stop trying to take control yourself. Stop trying to win, trying to win the battle under your own strength. Stop the crazy pursuit of all the things that you think you need or desire. Just stop. And allow yourself to know that I am on the throne of all things. That God is God. Do you think we could use a moment in life to just stop? I, I hope every week that when people come to a place like this, one of the things that we will accomplish will be just stop. Of all the hours in the week, let's take one or two and stop and allow ourselves to know that God is God. And when we do that, all other things start to come into perspective. And we start to become keenly aware of how God is present with us. Let me revisit a couple of these questions. How clear is your assurance and certainty of God's forgiveness and fatherly love? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I suppose that there are people in here who have had times in your life when you have thought, I have messed up so badly, there is no way that God could love me. If it wasn't you, it was somebody you know. There is no way that God could love somebody who has messed up as badly as I have. Could I lift up to you a man named David? Not me this time. David as in King David from the Old Testament. You remember the... Bathsheba incident, okay, when he like wiped out five of the Ten Commandments in like one concisive action. Prophet Nathan came to him, gave him a parable of how badly he had done. The child that was sown in his illicit affair died you think David might have felt I just don't think there's any recovery from this I offer to you Psalm 51 let me share a few of these words with you and 
the note in my Bible says this is a psalm of David after his affair with Bathsheba. If it wasn't, it should be. Because it sure reflects somebody who's in that place. In verse 10, the writer says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. What ways do you think that is? Forgiveness. Repentance. Conver- it's, it's redemption. I will teach people God, the kind of God you are. The kind of God that will look down at a poor, pitiful sinner like me and give me another chance and bring me into new life. That's the kind of God you are. In verse 17, the writer says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. It doesn't say may not, perhaps not, you will not. He knows that when I come before God in contrition, admitting that I've messed up, admitting that I've sinned, and I look toward God for forgiveness, God makes new again. He knows it. How blessed it is to be able to go through life knowing that we serve a God like that, who does not alienate us when we mess up, but when we turn our hearts back, he is like that father of of the prodigal son ready to run after you and bring you back. Are you having any particular seasons of sweet delight in God? Can you picture in your mind what that looks like? Just just a, a, a day, a week, uh, a series of weeks when for whatever reason in your life, you, you, God, God is just he's blessing you like on steroids. I don't know, that's just what came to my mind. It's not just the normal blessing. I mean, he's just going over the top with it. And, and you're just walking like, I mean, he's like God is, I mean, my heart is like, uh, it's, it's more, it's higher than it usually is. I, he's more close than, do you ever feel like that? Look at the apostles that are described in the New Testament, in the book of Acts or Paul's letters. You know, you've got these guys who are, they've been, they've been arrested, they've been beaten by the religious leaders of the Jews, and, and they go out and they're rejoicing. You know, they're singing and they're happy because they were considered worthy to be uh, reprimanded for the name of Jesus Christ. Who does that? People who who understand the, the, the nearness of God in, in, a, in a special way. you got Paul and Barnabas who are sinking in a, in a stinky old prison cell in the middle of the night, and what are they doing? They're singing. And not just a country beer-drinking song. Can I say that in church? I, I guess it's too late now, isn't it? They're singing hymns. They're... The joy of the Lord is, is just incredibly overwhelming to them. Paul, who says, I've, I've figured out how to, how to do it all in Philippians. You know, I've, I've figured out how to have it all. I've figured out how to have nothing. I can be it, all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
you look at their lives and you think, you know what? God still does the same thing to us. Are there times when you just, like, God has been so good to you? How have you known God's presence? Can you tell about times when God was so very present with you that all the rest of the world just seemed to go away? I could tell you about a, a day years ago on a snowy mountaintop in West Virginia early December cold but man inside it was so warm geographically I was no more than a mile from the nearest house spiritually it could have been just me and God as the only ones in the world quiet peaceful There are times you know you're standing on holy ground. I remember a time when I was in the sleeper berth of my truck one evening. For those who don't know, I used to be a truck driver. That's my former life. And after a time of reading devotions and, and praying, God became so powerfully present in that truck, I was afraid to open my eyes because of whom I would see. I remember waiting in line to receive Holy Communion at a clergy retreat one time. I don't even know what the sermon was about. I don't know what we'd been singing, but I know one thing is I was standing there waiting to go up and receive the bread and the wine. God was so powerfully present with me that I was pretty sure I wouldn't be able to stand up. I could tell you about other times that God has shown up in powerful ways, but I can also tell you that remembering those times have made me more alert to the ways that God draws near to me even in the ordinary days. When God just catches my attention and says, I want you to pay attention to what I'm doing in somebody else's life, just so you remember that I'm still at work. And all the times when the bad stuff happens. And you feel like what the, the, the normal reaction would be, I need to be falling apart and panicking, but for some reason you're not. Why? Because the peace of God has gripped your heart. And said, I'm still here. And you may think that your world is shaken, but I'm the one who keeps the boat still when the ocean rages. I could tell you all morning of the ways and the times that God has shown himself. But here's the thing. I bet you could tell me the same. I bet you could tell me the same. My invitation to you is this. Do it. Answer these questions so that you can become 
focused on how God reveals himself to you. Not just plowing through your life day to day, but, but developing within yourself the awareness. Because that awareness is going to help you increase the vibrancy of your relationship with God. And that's what we're after. You know, Jesus did not come and die just so you could have forgiveness of sins. He did that. No doubt, he did that. He went to that cross so that you could know forgiveness of sins. He, he was raised from the dead so that you also could have the promise of life. But he didn't die just so that we could have a promise of heaven to get our ticket punched. He did this so that we could live now in the overwhelming presence of God from one day to the next. We don't have to wait until we die to experience the blessing of heaven. We can experience the kingdom of God in its fullness right now as God walks with us. And I want so much for us to experience that. We're glad that you chose to spend this time with us in God's Word. You can watch our worship services online at www.rmmcwp.net. May the Lord grant you the light of His truth as you journey through this day. 